0: Welcome to the Atlanta Foodcast. Stories from the people who are making Atlanta the greatest city for eaters. I'm your host, Ben Goetz. So, Jared Carr and Jules Tompkins didn't start out as friends per se, they were a bit more like frenemies, and you know their paths crossed in their earlier years here in Georgia and then again later in life, but as business partners. And if you fast forward to today, you can actually step into the bright, beautiful space of East Pole Coffee Company, and it's found over in the same industrial part of the city near Sweetwater Brewing and Armor Yards and all of that great stuff. And the thing about coffee is that it's seldom part of the culinary realm that many people come to understand fully. You know, the plant, the process, regions, varietals, roasting methods, and especially the farmer. And Jared and Jewel set out to bring something different to the coffee community here in Atlanta. They roast their own, right in the coffee shop in fact, but they take extra care and steps to know who is growing it and the guys had me over at their space a little after hours so I could hear more of their story here they are without further ado though yes. Jules and Jared welcome to the Atlanta food guest thank you this Thanks is for having this us. is seriously um it's so fun because I I've Jared how long have I known you I mean it, it's been
1: years tap room opened
0: yeah so that would have been like 2013.
1: Yeah, something like that. Yeah, 2000, no, 2014.
0: Yeah, so it's it's at least been about you know the going on like six years or yeah. so. And to to watch your guys' story unfold and then it, you know now we're sitting here in East Pole and how many years has it been since you guys opened this space? Coming, coming up, up on two. Yep. Coming up on two. Um, I love what you guys have done, and it's and it's not just it's not just in a way of like this is a great coffee shop. You you guys have really changed. I think what having a coffee shop in Atlanta really means and we're going to get into more of that but I want to get to know you guys just a little bit for everybody listening and if you've listened to the show which Jules and I you said that you have do you have you do you not like it no, I've listened to it. I oh, like okay. It. You'd be like, um, I haven't, but it's just because I have not Oh, just really say, like no. Yeah, just no. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I want to ask <laughs> <One word>. <laughs> you, <laughs> we're going to do, we're going to do a one word answer podcast. Uh, but, <laughs> but I'll, back. Uh, so Jules, I'm going to ask you first, like, tell me who cooked for you growing up and what kind of cook was he or she?
2: Sure. So it was actually both my parents, pretty equal split. Um, my dad's like a restaurant industry lifer, um, dropped out of college in Boston when he was in you know, his sophomore or junior year and rode the restaurant train. So he was a more um, apt cook than most fathers tend to be. Um, he was comfortable in the kitchen. And then my mom was pretty creative and good at trying new recipes, jumping into the kitchen. So they both cooked quite a bit and actually, mm-hmm. Just in April, a few months ago, they um, opened a restaurant in Marietta. Really? Which one? Yeah. It's called Good Kitchen and Market. Yeah. Yeah. So Those are your parents. That's my folks. Yeah. No way. They've got oh, my God. I haven't been yet, but uh, I've, it's, I've, I've it's heard about it. good. Yeah. <laughs> Not <laughs> that's great. All we, that's <laughs> all we wanted. <laughs> we, didn't, um, we, didn't want, we didn't want to go great. <laughs> right. It's <just, that's laughs>
0: yeah, good. That's too much work. It's yeah. yeah.
2: Um, <laughs> Shout out to your parents. That's yeah, awesome. it's cool. It's cool. <laughs> and, and we were able to nab them as a wholesale account. So they've got a good little coffee bar breakfast menu. It's awfully competitive, but they chose to serve Paul. Yeah.
0: How would you broach that subject of, like, they chose someone else? Like, they went Ooh. with another
2: local roastery, and they're like, we just, I we, we like their dark roast. I don't know. <laughs> Sun get better. That's yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's, yeah, it's difficult to imagine. I mean, yeah. I think yeah. it would just be a continuation of the rejection I felt. From yeah. my, just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, this is just reopening old wounds. Yes, so, in, whatever. indeed. Just, yeah, just pile it on, <laughs> mom and dad. That's right. That's really
0: cool. So did you grow up in Georgia?
2: I did. I grew up um, all around Metro Atlanta, Alpharetta, Gwinnett County, Marietta. So,
0: Shout out to Outside the Perimeter. I do a miserable job of getting there. I need to do better. So, yeah,
2: I don't know about that, but... um shout out to otp yeah Yeah.
0: they're doing great things i hear um (laughs) jared same question to you tell me tell me who cooked for you growing up and what kind of cook was he or she um
1: my mom cooked for me uh and i would say she was a very good southern cook just kind of like quintessential southern cooking um favorite meal that she cooked was probably chicken in a hut. I don't know if you've ever had that or ever Describe heard of it. Describe this it's dish. It's like a chicken, but it's in a, a hut okay. of dough. So the dough is like a teepee. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. That sounds awesome. Yeah. And then like creamed corn, things like that. So she was just a very, she's a very good cook. She still is. Um, and just like an example of how good of a cook she was When when I was in high school, I was on the football team and every morning she would make me these sandwiches and she would use this like really good bread, really good cheese, meats, whatever. And my friends in the, on the football team started catching on that this was a really good sandwich. And so eventually I would first thing in the morning walk into the locker room and just hold up the sandwich and start yelling out prices for this sandwich. So I'd say like $2 or $3. And eventually I would just auction off the sandwich every morning and it wasn't till like maybe eight months later that my mom found out that I was just selling these sandwiches. and never actually ate the sandwiches; I was just pocketing all this cash, but, um, but I made a lot of money off of her cooking. So, uh, so that's good. Uh, she was, she was a great cook. So that's just um, being industrious. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah, cool. Entrepreneurial at, I'm in high <laughs> school. So
0: I needed a pack of Twizzlers, man. <laughs> I, I love sandwiches, but you know, I need yeah. candy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, it's my favorite question to ask people because I, myself, I was a very picky kid growing up and I love to know where, where, where people kind of got started in their own home, you know? And, you know, some people they're like, you know, I just didn't really eat. I don't, I don't really remember much or it's like, oh my gosh, I ate everything. And my parents like loved, me. I, I love like the family dish names, like chicken in a hut. Mm-hmm. And then, um, gosh, one of the things that I remember eating as a kid a lot was, uh, um, Beef stroganoff was one, but I don't really remember the recipe too much. And then goulash, okay. but goulash was just like really disappointing spaghetti. <laughs> it's like we just didn't have the right noodles. Right. Okay. And then I was like, oh, it's goulash. And I'm like, damn it. It's <laughs> not. Like, Oh, gosh. Uh, yeah. So, but it, I just, I really love to like get into those memories with people, especially like when when you started like pulling out the uh you know that it was like very adversarial like (laughs) like certain (laughs) things that your parents would cook it's super fun um but tell me tell me where your guys paths kind of came together how did you guys meet
1: um we met at a church camp i believe um around high school i we were like frenemies would you say yeah frenemies frenemies. fair yeah um we we were friends but (laughs) um didn't really know each other that well. We, we had a lot more um, mutual friends that we liked better. Um, than each say, other. Than each other, yeah. <laughs> 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 um, but so, uh, we yeah, I mean, we weren't even, we, we were friends, but not really close. And then both kind of went on our separate ways mm-hmm. until East Pole, I would say.
2: Yeah, until, so that, that was like, that was probably mid-2000s, 05, yeah. 06. And then we started talking about East Pole fast forward 2013-14
1: skip past Jules's dark roast days
2: ba- right past my dark roast yeah. days in 2013-14 um, I had been living in Arizona and we again as Jared said we had mutual friends so I would come back for the holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas whatever and we'd end up at parties together, brunches together whatever and both of us had kind of separately gotten into coffee and we were Acquaintances um, is the diplomatic way of saying it. Frenemies would be the truthful <laughs> way of saying it. And and um, yeah, so in, in those conversations, in those get-togethers, we both kind of had a mutual interest in coffee. Started talking about about potentially doing something. I was looking to get back to at back east, out of the desert, and uh, we made it happen. Yeah.
0: You know what? What's something that I want to talk about is you know outside of just like what you guys actually do in this building, it's, it's really the aesthetic that is, it's something that has always stood out to me more so than just, again, like this just being far more than just a coffee shop. It's, it's not just, it's not just a coffee shop, but it's also where it is and especially how you guys made this place come to be. So before we like talk about coffee, talk to me about the design, because the, what you walk into is very different than, a lot of like other architecture and especially aesthetic throughout the rest of Atlanta. You know? I mean it, I think it, it it definitely has a very um it has a, it has a huge pull in the way that it just looks and feels in here. It's
2: like how did you guys like get to to this? Like where where did the inspiration come from? Sure. Um so you know it's interesting that we're in this space. I, I think one thing that Jared and I from those early conversations and 2013, 2014, always wanted was a a shared space, roastery, and cafe. We were pretty committed to that principle. Um, Being in this industrial horseshoe that's maybe Midtown, maybe Buckhead, the only landmark is Sweetwater Brewery, right? Being here um, wasn't certainly a part of our conversations in 2013, 2014. Mm -hmm. Um, In fact, when this... When this Army Yards possibility first came on the table, it came on the table as um, doing like a storage container type coffee shop right out front in front of where we, are, where we were. And so um, Pierce Lancaster, Hank Farmer with Third and Urban, uh, former Jamestown guys helped build out Pond City Market, Westside Provisions. Um, they've got their own development group now. They reached out to us and said, hey, we're talking to coffee folks seeing who would want to do this um, storage container outside of our space. For us, again, we, we were pretty committed to first space being roastery, cafe, combo, brick and mortar. Um, but we entertained it, and, and we, we started talking to them about what that might look like. And the further we got along with them, at some point, um, they, they said to us, hey, actually, we've got this brick and mortar space. It's about 1,700 square feet, just inside of where we're thinking of plopping the storage container. Mm. Do you guys want to walk it with us? So we walked in and obviously, um, as you mentioned, just the, the ceilings are pretty striking. There's like amazing yeah. depth to the space. Um, we were looking around at figuring out how we could accommodate the sort of those two functions, this coffee bar tasting experience and this, um, production facility in the back. And we felt like we could for sure do it. And so, um, yeah, so we moved, moved forward with them. We contracted an architect, but Jared actually drew out on a piece of paper exactly how he wanted the space to operate and asked the architect, um, pretty point blank, we just need you to make this these MEPs work. We need mechanical electrical plumbing to work in this, drawing that i've got kind of like chicken scratched out on, it paper. on a napkin uh, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> was it yeah yeah perfect but bar napkin story yeah, exactly um <laughs> so yeah so th- we, that's kind of um how this aesthetic came to be and and um we were like really really pumped to have again just amazing dramatic ceilings the pitch the highest pitch here which maybe you can hear our voices like bouncing off of it yeah <laughs> um is about 46 feet as the is the top end of this is it really that yeah, tall up up there in that corner wow so it's pretty cool that's um, amazing yeah and then we just we wanted we, we knew we always wanted the it would really like take away from the size of the space if um, the roastery wasn't behind a glass partition if that was behind some drywall it would have a totally different effect right, right? Yeah. you would have no idea what was back there so um that was big for us was to kind of show off the roasting process to provide some intrigue to those who come in and order a cappuccino or an espresso and they can see you know the product that they're about to consume, um, what, it, what it might have looked like a few days prior being roasted 20 feet away. We, we thought that would be a really cool experience for our consumers. Yeah.
0: You know, and if, uh, if if you haven't been over to Sweetwater or if you haven't been over to ASW or an event that happens over in this space, like Armor Yards is, uh, it, it, it is in a really interesting locale, like locale. You know, it is it is kind of midtown meets Morningside meets Buckhead, Brookwood, like who knows. Totally. You know, yeah, it's, it's it, it, to it is in a really strange, sp- because
2: you're like, you kind of have to go under 85 and then like kind of loop back around and... Yeah, we were trying to, I mean, we were trying to bring that to Atlanta, I would say. You know, this isn't necessarily a, a novel idea. Other other roasteries have, have totally opened up coffee bars just outside of their roastery, had a transparent roasting process. Um, and when we kind of surveyed Atlanta coffee, so much cool stuff going on in the city um, as it relates to coffee, we felt like having sort of that open roastery was, was a niche that we could kind of plug into and and provide for um, the avid coffee drinkers in the city so exactly what you said like being able to walk in see an espresso machine and pan you know your eyes just a little bit right and seeing the Mm -hmm. the roaster um, and seeing green coffee and roasted coffee in a single sort of shot um, we thought would be a really unique experience for coffee drinkers in the city Mm
1: -hmm. yeah I feel like that word experience is kind of what what we were shooting for um you know we this is kind of off the beaten path right like what we've all been mentioning Mm -hmm. it's very much off the beaten path and when we opened this place um gosh when we were starting to talk about this place like three years ago um we really were just thinking about the the roasting part of it like the wholesale part of it and we're kind of just like all right, well, if we're going to get people out here and to the middle of, you know, Buckhead armpit wherever we are, um then <laughs> we've got to create a space that is worth going to and a space that somebody's going to come out and be like, "Oh, I've got to show you this this spot." Um so there what there was a lot of thought and effort into that and like we, we just got lucky that someone took a chance on us and allowed us to open up this place because we very much viewed it as a brewery with a tasting room, kind of that kind of vibe. Yeah, like wholesale yeah. was our game. And, um, the, the retail bar actually ended up being very, very successful, um, or is very successful. And that's been a fun thing to kind of yeah. experience.
0: I have a very vivid memory of sitting with you and Jonathan Pasquale mm-hmm. at tap room. This was probably sometime in 2014 drinking coffee out of an Aeropress that you roasted oh, and not. i have no idea how you roasted oh, you, you said you had a really roo- pop what oh, was it a whirly pot oh, okay whirly hey, pop I, no but i think you I had have like been. a roaster at this time
1: Oh, i might have upgraded to it okay that's smaller but i i was just but <laughs> i was so taken a whirly pop
0: <laughs> i don't even know what a whirly pot is sounds like a lot of it's fun uh, it's right?
1: what'd you make popcorn with
0: oh yeah that, that, that has to be actually a pretty decent device for roasting coffee then right decent <laughs> you're like no <laughs>
1: It's fun. Anyway, I'll say that. It's very fun. Yeah.
0: But it was a very vivid memory for me of, you know, this was, it you know, like for me as, as someone who bakes sourdough bread, to be able to like grow yeast into leaven and then make that into bread and then watch someone like, you know, bite into it. And they're like, wow. Yeah. Like, it, was that, it was that same thing for me of like, you roasted this coffee from something that you like, you know, it's just green out of a plant, you know, and then. And then it, I mean, that, that was actually, I think, I don't even know if you remember this, that was the first time I ever had AeroPress coffee as well. And, um, it was really, that's one of those like special moments for me. Like, I remember the first time I had like a pour over you know like from a v60 or like a chemex or like just seeing latte art on top of you know a latte but the AeroPress was really awesome but especially the fact that you roasted the coffee was really cool and one of the questions i had for you jared was i know that like you you guys have traveled a lot and um i know that this is like a, a big part of like what i remember of like kind of the the forming part of east pole is mm-hmm. that traveling and seeing how coffee is done the world over is is a big inspiration behind like the kind of coffee that you guys wanted to roast and make available to people in Atlanta wholesale, but also from your coffee bar. Talk to me about that.
1: Um, Yeah. I mean, so I kind of hinted at this earlier, but the whole reason I got into coffee in the first place was meeting farmers. Right. And I was, I was in Indonesia and I was um, there for a totally different reason, but ended up um, kind of, meeting all these farmers for this agricultural part of this company. Um, and the more I was meeting these farmers, I mean, again, before this, I was drinking Cafe Bustella, just like didn't think twice about um, everything that went into coffee. But the more I was meeting these farmers, the more I was just blown away by how much went into coffee before it even got to us here in the States or anywhere really um, that drinks coffee. and. I was also blown away, by, blown away by just how hospitable people were, right? I mean, we're in Indonesia, and I'm in mean, a village where there's hardly any power or anything, and this family uh, who has a one-bedroom house that has, like, eight kids running around. They're just serving me all the food that they can, and they're teaching me all they can about roasting coffee or wow. sourcing coffee or showing me. They were just so proud of what they had, right? They were proud of the green coffee that they had, even if it... Um, even if it didn't sell for much or whatever, they just were very, very proud of it. And to me, that was very attractive. That was just, I was like, these people are so excited about what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And there's some, this is something that I, I didn't even know existed before. And when I was coming back to the States, I was like, man, I, I've got to be involved with these people. Like coffee to me was a passport to the world, right? And that's probably what I kind of mentioned to you was like, I just wanna work with these farmers. And so fast forward, to today, um, you know, we have a wholesale business where we're selling green coffee and um, we uh, kind of where we are as a company, we work with importers, right? So importers who just buy literally boatloads of coffee from these farms, that, from co-ops, whatever. They bring them to the States and we buy from them. Um, and we're pretty, um, pretty selective about who we, who we choose to work with. Uh, and we, we work with people who really take care of the farmers. They source really quality uh, quality beans, quality coffee. And, uh, and, and so that's how you start, right? You, you start using an importer. And then eventually um, we want to be at a place where we are working with the farmers, right? We want to be at a place where we're able to, uh, to buy equipment that the farmer needs to make the coffee better, to make their livelihood better, um, to pay them... Uh, what they need and uh, and and we've it 's actually been cool because farmers have reached out to us they they have um, we 've gotten emails we 've gotten people farmers stopping in um, Atlanta uh, is a pretty busy uh, place, so people come through farmers come through and drop off just samples of coffee and we roast it, and we get back to them and wow. we've bought several um, coffees from people just doing stuff like that, um, that's and really so that 's cool. really cool because. Basically, at that point, when you 're communicating with the farmer directly with the farmer they 're telling you a price that they feel is worth their efforts and worth what they 've done, and you can just I, kind of our our deal here, our policy here is like hey if a farmer's going to what, what they ask we 're going to pay right um, and and because we believe that they have selected that price for a reason and um, And so that's like a fun thing that we get to do and we get to highlight highlight the work that they've done. And if you look at our retail shelves and look at our bags, you'll notice that we don't really have um, blends or we don't have uh, named things other than traffic. And We can actually talk about that in a second, but uh, we do that because we want to highlight where the coffee's coming from. We wanna highlight the work that's been done before us because um, a lot of hands have touched this coffee before you're drinking it in the morning, right? And And it's just a cool part to think about that this this coffee's gone through so much of a journey before it even got to to here in East Pole like before we roast it before someone um, drinks an espresso at our bar or something. Um, so yeah, it's a huge value of ours to to be able to to grow in that, and I think you know we're at the very early stages as a company of being able to do that, and I think the future is is big for um, for that value of ours,
2: yeah. Most recently, in February, just a few months ago, we were in um, Colombia with, along with one of our importers, uh, Balzac Brothers out of out of Charleston. Um, so we were in the Antioquia region of Colombia, um, and had like it, there are just certain things that you can't get by um, by you know staying put. It, it really is important to get to origin. And one of the one example of something we discovered while there. Was this new variety that we were really interested in called Chiroso. Um and not, it's not really chorizo. Good at, not yeah. chorizo. You're yeah. really good at rolling your R's. i Yeah, I'm, I'm not good at rolling my R's. I, I can I really appreciate that compliment. Um, <laughs> you really are. Thanks. Um, so yeah, so as, as we're in Antioquia, we're you know talking with farmers, and they bring up this. Chiroso. Um, <laughs> variety. Just, just keep saying. <laughs> okay. Don't stop. <laughs> and um, they, um, I'm sorry, another R is coming up. They said that this is grown in sort of the neighboring region, the neighbor neighboring state, which is called Urao. Urao. And um, this was like a war-torn... Region. There were these, like, communist guerrillas that were trying to overtake this region. And a lot of the f- coffee farmers, because of the violence, had fled the region. Mm-hmm. And um, pretty beautifully, when they left, their coffee crops grew wildly. They were, you wow. know, unpruned, untended. Ended up forming this hybrid, Chiroso, um, that was, like, this amazingly delicate, sort of like... I don't know if you ever had a geisha. Mm -hmm. So, like, carries a lot of, like, floral notes, delicate jasmine notes. And uh, Jared and I, you know, we're, like, first two hours in in Colombia, we're sitting down with a couple of farmers that were hosting us at a a coffee bar in Medellin, the second biggest city in Colombia, I believe, next to Bogota. We're sitting at this coffee bar, and we're having this coffee. We're like, what what is This This is amazing. Like, what is this? And, um, you know, a lot of times at origin, a lot of times in these, these origin countries, there's just less investment into the, into the coffee shops themselves. Um, so much great coffee gets imported to the States and, and, uh, we're awfully privileged here to have like the creme of the crop truly, like literally we get the creme of the crop. And we were like, how, like we've, you know, constantly the experience and, wherever you are in these countries of origin is to have not amazing coffee like you feel like you can get better coffee at home but you've mm. got to go to these countries of origin to buy it how are we having this amazing mind-blowing cup of coffee you start talking to the farmers about it and they tell us this story and you google Chiroso, and um and you look at roasters in the u.s that have it and it's like really really sporadic like it's it's not really anywhere and mm. so it's those kinds of experiences, discovering these new crops, that like you can truly only get by getting at the ground level. Um, and I, I would I would say maybe the only other way is like running close with an importer the way that we do with, with a handful of the importers yeah. we choose to work with, just keeping us abreast of what's going on on the ground.
0: Yeah. I think it's cool that what you guys are doing is very, uh, you're, you're very selective. And I know, Jared, you mentioned that is you guys are working with very specific people who are growing coffee and bringing it to the States for you guys to purchase and then roast and then serve to people, whether it's wholesale or whether you guys are doing it through your club or you're just... Buying something off a coffee bar, espresso or a pour over, whatever. Um, and from the customer's perspective, you know, like I think that's that's such a huge standout for you guys at East Pole because that that to me was the first thing that that I really thought of was so really put on display of where the coffee's coming from and really it's not just like the story of you know the crop and like the farm and the farmer i mean a lot of this has been done before but i think where you guys are very inspired by other people's life and generosity and what drives them and then turning that into a product that you guys are then serving to people in Atlanta whether they ever grasp that story or or, or they don't you know i mean I, I haven't even really fully grasped like every like how how beautiful that really is That's right. yeah. like chiroso rosso. <laughs> right? yeah it's really good I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> <gonna> really good to <laughs> practice I'm go, go home and look in the mirror and try G-roso. it out <laughs> but <laughs> i'm going to say you it, really, it i'm going to say really slow say it really <laughs> slow. <laughs> <laughs> slow but um but you know it's uh, it, it's one of those things that if someone never even truly grasps how wonderful that type of story is the, the elevation of what that product really is for someone who just likes to have a latte, like I think that that's that's still that's still kind of completing the circle from where someone is growing something out of the earth and it is rested out of the dirt with human hands and then eventually into you know a Gibraltar glass or you know a to-go cup whatever, um you guys are you
2: guys are making that available for people in Atlanta, yeah, yeah. that's you know and it, I would say like when we when we opened this space up and when we started the company in 2015, a big part of it for us was looking at Atlanta and saying, like, we we would love to, like, provide more great coffee to Atlantans everywhere, and we're able to do that not by people having to drive into this, not just by people having to drive into this one-way-in, one-way-out industrial horseshoe where our neighbors are, Overhead door garage door manufacturers <laughs> and tortilla factories and There's literally a tortilla factory literally I, I want to go Yeah, it smells so good. Actually. It's gone now, but yeah, it's gone. Yeah. Unfortunately um, Yeah, it's sad, that's very sad. Um, but you know That's not the only way to like find the product. Uh, we knew that by having a roastery and by partnering with local restaurateurs that we could um, get amazing coffee product out not only for um as you mentioned ben not only for the diners um but for the cooks who need a little bit of something extra something delicious to get them through that night shift um get them through that that rush um and so like that was like a a big part of it it's like let's saturate atlanta with more great coffee and we think there's plenty of range here to to do that yeah for sure um I love what you guys are doing. It's
0: just, it's so great to to have, you know, I mean, j- just like cool history, you know, I mean, for me, it's just, uh, it's, it's really funny, you know, like last season I sat with Jonathan, you know, and talked about yeah. tap room and it, a lot of that was just, this is my favorite place to like come and just be or work or meet someone and have coffee or a beer. And, um, to see, like, to know that that's like a huge part of your story as well. And then for this to just continually grow, like the tapestry of what makes Atlantis so great. And it's not always just about being unique, you know I mean? Like unique yeah. kind of gets, you know, people are like, we're so unique. Like that kind of gets boring the more that you talk about <laughs> it that way. Um, but, uh, but it, it, it is something that makes it, it makes it just more special, you know? And, um, so I, I love what you guys are doing. Thanks for, I mean, just making wonderful coffee and i love how much story is just enveloped in all of it and um but with the last like you know a couple minutes here like talk to me just about you know like or just tell everybody like where they can, you know, come find you guys. And also uh, you guys do a lot of other things that people can take advantage of if they don't live in Atlanta or they don't want to drive over to the industrial horseshoe that used to have a tortilla factory mm-hmm. and it happens to be in a really cool part of town and shame on you for not leaving OTP mm-hmm. and coming here. But <laughs> if you would like to get East pole coffee, you can, how can you
1: do that? Um, you can visit some of the places that service and I'll let actually Jules touch on that. But I did want to mention, we do um, kind of like adding to that at that, uh, experience or educational piece. Um, every Saturday morning at 10, we lead a cupping here. Do you know what a cupping is? I do know what a cupping okay, is. And cool. I
0: actually very... i The first cupping I ever went to was with our friends here in Atlanta over at the uh, King Plow Arts Center Count, with counter Counterculture. Culture. Yeah. Cool. Totally. And it was... Um, gosh, who was it that taught me like how to break the coffee grounds and then like I got I got like the best education I I did that actually went to a lot of cuppings um before I had kids nice so you know when
2: when our next cupping is is it Saturday morning yes oh my gosh yeah I think I heard that somewhere yeah yeah yeah
1: Yeah. Yeah, uh, if you don't know what a cupping is it's just a universal way to taste coffees and it's a it's a fun experience we walk you through um smelling um dry coffee smelling wet coffee and then tasting coffee uh in a really fun way with a spoon Um, and it just kind of, uh, it's free and it allows you just to taste some of our coffees to, uh, to be in the, the roastery or the VIP lounge, the East pole VIP lounge, if some people call it that, um, and, and just taste coffees and it's a really fun time. So, yeah.
2: So that's one way. Another way, um, we're around town, several, um, restaurants, coffee shops, a few I'll highlight. Um, you mentioned Jonathan Piscual, Mm -hmm. um, at Taproom, so you can find us at Taproom, of course. Um, also, full commission at Grant Parks, a new cool yeah. little spot. I don't know if you've been there. Yet. Really cool spot. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, we love it. So um, there, um, and then if you're OTP, uh, um, a couple of highlight is my folks' restaurant, Good Kitchen and Market in shout Marietta, out. just off, shout out, just off the square, Marietta Square, and uh, Copper Coin and, and Woodstock. If you're getting that far, yeah. that far up there. Very um, cool. The,
1: the shirt that Jules is wearing right now.
2: Yeah, the closest wholesale account we have is Ford Fry's new taco joint, Little Ray. Little Ray, yeah. So go um, get I, you some breakfast tacos, probably a morning margarita, yeah. and then a coffee to keep you awake the rest yeah, of the day.
0: I, this is great because it's all coming full circle. I saw you wearing the shirt when you when I walked in, and the last time that I was there and I had breakfast tacos, I had coffee, and they had a nice little note in there, like provided by East Pole Roaster
1: That's what's in
0: up. Atlanta, and I was like, you know what? this is going to be cool. Cause I actually just had <laughs> Ford fry on the show as well. We didn't talk about coffee or anything, but I was like, you know what? That's good. Like, that's good that they're doing breakfast tacos. Cause if you don't like breakfast tacos, like yeah, let's no. just never hang out. Yes. Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. If, uh, all of you. Don't never hang out. This podcast. Um,
2: yeah. and then other ways, to, if you know, if you're, if you're not in the area, if you have no idea, um, who Ford fry is or, or what, what hopefully you do. He's a or, guy. Yeah, quite. He's a good dude. Um, Woodstock, where that is, um, if you're if you're listening in from out of state, um, online at eastpole.coffee. you can find all of the coffees that we have on our shelf here at the coffee bar. Um, you could also subscribe for once a month, uh, Scuba Club is what we call it. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of have some nautical like theme in in our in really? our branding. I don't see that at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nowhere nowhere to be found. Um, scuba Club is a once a month uh, coffee coffee club. So we'll send you a bag coffee a month and it rotates and we also have a yacht club if you're bougie and you like coffee twice a month we've got that for you so that's yeah. the yacht club and if you, you just want, want to adrenaline. tell your
1: friends you're part of a yacht club yep yeah you know that's, that's for why. those
2: that's for those buckhead people that trickle down here though i go oh exactly.
0: i got lost and i didn't know where that, there's coffee and could be part, of the, part of the yacht club yep. they're part of the yacht club yeah yeah good for them I heard there was a yacht club down here yeah <laughs> where's the yacht club <laughs> you're you made it you're here um, that's right guys, thanks for sharing your story. It's, um, it's awesome. And again, you know, like I, I think what, what makes Atlanta such an amazing place to be an eater is, is, is people's stories behind like how things have come to be. And it's crazy that it's been, you know, coming up on two years for you guys here. Um, and I can't wait to see what happens next and come to another cupping and just drinking more coffee. So, but thanks again for, for being on the show guys.
1: Thanks for having us. Thanks so
0: much, Ben. Many thanks to Jared and Jules for having me over to record this episode. Check out the show notes right now for more info on their coffee shop and how to join their coffee club. This podcast is recorded all over our beautiful city and edited over on the east side of town by me, your host. Hello again. Our design is headed up by JJ Goetz. And if you like what you hear, you can support the show right now on Patreon for just $5 a month. I'm your host, Ben Goetz, and you've been listening to the Atlanta Foodcast. Stay hungry.